good morning. It is good to be with you again and uh, really exciting to dive into this passage. We continue in this series of all authority and today is the authority to control the wind and the waves. So the authority to control the weather. I was thinking through some of the weather here that we see, rain showers, thunderstorms, lightning, flooding, hurricanes, high winds, tornadoes, ice storms, blizzards, hail. And sometimes that's just all in one week in Illinois. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, man, you start talking about the weather, you start talking about and and even watching the news and seeing what's going on. And and obviously we don't get too many hurricanes and the like, but most of the things on that list uh, we can experience at least somewhat. And I just wanted to be, be thinking about that as we jump into this and continue with this series of All Authority. The fact that Jesus had and has all authority. And the hope and the comfort that 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 brings to us and can brings to us. And I hope that's what we can take away with us today. And if you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4. And we're actually going to pick up in verse 35 Mark 4.35 is kind of where we're going to pick up our story, but I kind of really feel like we need to start really in verse 1 to kind of set the stage here for what was going on. Because if you understand what was going on during that day with the disciples and Jesus, when it gets to our passage here, I think it will make even more sense. But if you look in verse 1 of of chapter 4, It starts off and says, and he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. So so see what happens here is Jesus was attracting the crowds and in Capernaum especially and they were coming in from all over and the, the miracles that were taking place and Once again, he goes out, he's by the Sea of Galilee, and this massive crowd starts forming around there, and so they decide he's going to teach the crowd, and so in order to be able to speak to them, he actually gets in one of the boats there. Remember, Peter and and Andrew and James and John were fishermen, would have had boats all around there, and so he gets into the boat, he's right along the shore, and all of the people are, are there on the beach area of the shore, and he starts to teach off of the boat to the crowds that had gathered there. And as he's teaching, he starts teaching in parables. And, and, and they're, they're going to start getting story after story, parable after parable, and a parable is really, it's just a story with a point uh, that, that Jesus was teaching. And he, and he starts in with, with the sower who starts sowing seed. And as we work through that passage, you see that, that, that the sower sowed seed on three different soils And the first one went down onto the path and the seeds just sat there and uh, the birds took it away. 
And then some of the seed, then it says, uh, fell on rocky ground. And the seed immediately took root and, and, and shot up very quickly. Uh, but then uh, the, the, the uh, um, elements and everything start, start coming in on that, and, and it dies just as quickly as it sprung up because it didn't have deep root uh, because of the rocky ground. It says, and some of the seed fell on thorny ground, and, and the thorns and everything, as, it, as the seed grew up, then the thorns and all of that just choked it out, and it died as well. And then some of the seed fell on good ground, and it grew up and was strong and healthy and bore fruit. And so he tells this story, and, and then we see uh, um, verse 13, he says, and he said to them, do you understand this parable? And really, the disciples all of a sudden realize, and they're, they're kind of, they're, they're hearing what he's saying, but they're not picking up, what's he talking about all this farming stuff and soil and that? And so he pulls his disciples aside, and he starts explaining the parable, and, and saying that the seed that fell on the, on the path, is uh, that the birds took it away, that's like Satan taking what, the gospel that's going forth, and snatching it away, and on thorny ground where, where, where there's just no roots there, and when the persecution and tribulations and things that crowd in on that come along that they turn away, and then the thorny ground and, and the cares of this life and all the stuff of life start crowding in, I want that instead, and so that, that takes the, the gospel seed that was planted, but, but only what is, what is on good, fertile ground. That's what will take root and grow. And, and he's, he's explaining to them, and, and, and they said, really are going through, why all of these stories? Because he, he went on, he said, that, don't put the lamp in, in a basket, but where everyone can see it, and the parable of, of seed that just grows and takes place, and how you don't really do anything to make it grow, but the ground does, and ultimately God does, and the, the parable of the mustard seed, just a tiny little seed, but it grows so much fruit and, and, and yield from that, and, and they're just, why all of these parables and in verse 33, he gives an answer. He says, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without parables, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. And so what we see here is <clears throat> Jesus is doing some miraculous things and we're seeing his authority in so many different areas and his teaching, but yet he still had a plan and he still had purpose and there was timing in what he was revealing to the people. And so it was not yet time to reveal in the teaching to everyone, but to his disciples, he was revealing all that he was teaching as he went along. And so we understand that and we see there that this is what has been taking place throughout the day. And then we get to verse 35 where we're going to pick up here in the passage that we're looking at here this morning. If you're taking notes, uh, <clears throat> point number one is know that Jesus can do anything and that he cares deeply. Know that Jesus can do anything and that he cares deeply. <clears throat> verse 35, it says, on that day the day that he was just doing all of this teaching from the boat. When evening had come, he said to them, let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. 
and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Okay, so just try to imagine here, get a little bit of the understanding of what's going on. He's been teaching all day. And it says, and then that same day he says, let's go over to the other side of the sea. They're right there on the, the, the coast there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Okay, you need to understand the Sea of Galilee. It's called the Sea of Galilee, but really it's just a giant lake. Okay, the Great Lakes would, would make this pale in comparison. It's about uh, eight miles across at its widest point. And it's about 12 miles long at its longest point. No trouble most days of seeing easily across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so he says these crowds and all that have been taking place, we're going to see that as well. This theme that he's continually, while he's teaching and reaching the crowds, he's also pulling away from the crowds at times to, to, to recharge and to, and to teach and train his disciples and and so he says, let's go over to the other side. And, and I think really what's happening here is, is uh, there were not a lot of big cities on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so this would have been a way to get away from the large crowds for a little while. It says, on that same day, he says, let's go to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. It says, and they left the large group, the crowd that had formed, and they loaded him in one of the boats. You can remember, several of his disciples were fishermen. They had their boats that would have been there. And so they, they say, okay, Jesus, let's go to the other side. So they take Jesus, here, Jesus, come on over here. I got the boat just for you. And, and they, they get him into the boat. It says, just as he was, literally it's saying, it's, it's just like he was before when he was teaching out of the boat. So they're going back in the boat. The disciples get in the boat. And it says, and there were other boats with him. So, so I, probably there would have been a few more people than just the 12 right with him. And so they've got a few little boats here, a little flotilla, that they're starting off here in the evening. It's getting dark, and they're going to head across the Sea of Galilee. So you picture it here in your mind. Now, the boats that they would have been getting into, that's uh, not necessarily what we would imagine uh, from what we see today. But th these boats, it would have been a smaller fishing vessel. Uh, in, uh, in uh, 1986, they, there was an archaeological dig and they actually uncovered a boat from that time period, a fishing boat, and they, they kind of use it many times as an example. This would have been the typical size of a boat that was there and most of it was still intact a little bit. And so the, the measurements though, they, they estimate on that was about 27 feet long and about seven and a half feet wide. You get in the picture a little bit? I think we, we, we've actually found a picture here of Jesus and his disciples. It was interesting. It must have, okay, not really. But you see a little bit of an example here as a kind of looking for, for a visual of, of, of what, 
How, would have, how big of this boat? When it says Jesus was asleep in the back, okay, it's not like he was down in the birthing compartment or, or something in this larger ship. But this would have been something, a smaller vessel. It would have had a sail and something to, to, to help catch the wind, but also then probably would have had some oars as well. And they would use these types of, of vessels to fish off of. And so just imagine 10, 12 guys in a boat like this, a few of those together. And we see here then, and a great windstorm arose so that the boat was already filling. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat and the boat is filling up. So as they start across here, the Sea of Galilee, it says, quickly a storm comes. Now, is that an uncommon thing? Actually, it's not for the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee sits at about uh, 680 feet below sea level. It's this smaller uh, lake that's uh, fed by the Jordan River, and the Jordan River comes in, and then the Jordan River goes out to the south, it's heading to the Dead Sea, and the Sea of, Gal or sea of Galilee sits down about 680 feet below sea level, and then around there, there are mountains to the east and to the north. And it almost, it kind of creates a little bit of a bowl around there, at least on a several sides. And what would happen is, you would get the cool air that comes off of the mountains down over the Sea of Galilee, and it would hit the warm air there, and these storms would come up more frequently. I, I, I kind of like a weatherman here, aren't I? You got the, the and this front's coming in and there. But that's exactly what would happen. And so they would get these storms. This would have been something that these guys would have been used to. They're fishermen. They're out on this lake all the time. Can you see it? And so they're heading out, and this windstorm arose. And it says the waves are lapping in and over, and the boat is starting to fill up. So whatever was going on in the storm and however they were navigating things, it wasn't going well, right? So these fishermen, these experienced guys that were used to being out on the lake and, and, and they're maneuvering and they're doing whatever that, that they would normally do, but yet the waves are still coming in and the boat is filling up with water to the point that they feel like they're in trouble. Things are going south quickly. It says, But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And so here they are. The waves are lapping over the boat. The boat is up and down and all around and Jesus is in the back of the boat on the little bench across the back with a cushion, sound asleep. Now, now picture that there. And I'll tell you, this was probably one of the most difficult things as I was studying all this to imagine. My wife and I, a number of years ago, were... Uh, um, on a cruise. We, we'd gotten a great deal on a cruise. The kids were little at the time and we were already heading down to uh, visit my folks and we literally 
bought tickets a week before and we dropped the kids off with my folks and went to the coast and, and went on this cruise and we were, one of the stops was in Cozumel, Mexico. And so we decided we were going to do the excursion and do parasailing. Now, it had been kind of rougher seas earlier in the week. We had another stop. We were going to do some snorkeling, and it was, they actually canceled it because it was kind of rougher seas. And so that morning, though, we get up. We're right there, and you just kind of get into a smaller boat about the size we're talking about that they use to, to have the parasail goes, goes up. And they just go out into that bay area. And so we get into this boat, and it's a nice new snazzy boat with, you know, 12 of our closest friends that we just met. And we get into this boat, and we start off in there, but, but it was still, and, and there was, I remember there was about four-foot swells, so about like this. And so we start off out there, and, and I don't really get, I'm, I'm pretty good, I don't get motion sick much. My wife get much more than I do, but, you know, and the first couple of people go, and we're doing this number, and I think, I think my, uh, Tiffany went then next, and I, then, and I'm sitting, and then I went, of course, the sun's beating down, and of course, they take you in the boat, and you, you know, they, they parasail, it catches the wind, and you go up and up and up, and so you're up over the bay, and, and, and the sun's beating on you, <laughs> and I'd had a big breakfast, She's got a picture, actually. It was, it's not good. And so they, you know, pulling me back in. Can we just all say, not having fun, right? And we get back in the boat, and so she's already feeling bad. I'm feeling bad. Several other people are feeling bad. We're leaning over the side of the boat, like, for the rest of it. But we got several more people to go, and we're just, oh, how long can this go, Right? To this day, you say parasailing, my stomach turns. I have no desire to ever do it. And that was four foot swells. And so as I, I'm, I'm picturing this, and I'm thinking about just from my little experiences, and the, what must have been as it's going and the waves are coming in, and Jesus is in the back of the boat asleep. He's just sound asleep. And they go and they wake him and say, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? We're going to die. Teacher, don't you care? Now everybody say, that was a cheap shot. <laughs> say it. That was a cheap shot. Jesus, did he not care? He's asleep. He's oblivious to what's going on. But the first thing is they're saying really what they're trying to figure out is how can you sleep with all of this going on? That's really what's, what's going on. But yet this how can you sleep and I'm scared to death and we're going to die turns into and you don't care. You ever been that way with something going on in your life? And in the, in the midst of the fear... And in the midst of the uncertainty and the confusion, and it gets turned to an accusation. God, don't you care? Where are you in this? I'm going under. They were terrified. These fishermen, these men who were used to being on the sea, who did this daily, who would have been through many, many storms in the past. 
But yet this one was big enough and this one was scary enough that they are terrified and they are afraid that we're all going to die. Massive fear. Please understand, fear comes from unbelief. Fear comes from unbelief. Remember back in, in the toxic series and we talked about fear and we, we talked about despair. That's all in the bottom quadrant of the heart and that's the, the, rooted in unbelief. And, and, and they did not believe in something. They didn't believe that they were safe. They didn't believe that Jesus was aware of what was going on. They didn't believe that Jesus did, didn't, that he didn't care about what was going on. What, something in that, all of that, whatever it was wrapped up in, we see the fear. And it was tied to their unbelief. So how about you? How, how is fear going in your life? You're struggling with, with anxieties, with, with massive worries, some, some questions to ask in evaluating that. Do I struggle with fear? Well, wh- what am I worried about or, or, or what is stressing me out? What do I worry about? Think back to the last week. Do a little self-evaluation. What is it that I'm worried about or what stresses me out? What am I wanting to protect? A lot of times you'll see the fear in, what is it that I want so bad that I'm trying to protect it so much? Trying to control the things around so that I can protect because of my fear of of, of losing that whatever it is. Is this fear consuming me? Is this something that's just a, it's a concern, or is it something that's just gripping fear that's controlling and affecting my life in some bigger areas and ways? Are my actions motivated by faith or by fear? Are my actions how do I respond? Am I, am I still doing the things that I should be doing based on faith? Or am I now changing my actions and doing things based on these fears and the fears are driving the actions? How about this one? Am I clinging, am I clinging to a uh, no-struggle plan? Do I have it in my mind that, that, that really the way, the ideal, the way it should be is I should never have any troubles. There should be no struggles. And boy, if anything pops up that, that disrupts that no struggle plan, I'm gripped with fear. I'm anxious all the time. I'm worried about, I'm trying to fix and control in that. They feared harm. They feared that they were going to die. And they also feared that Jesus didn't care. The two fears that we see here in this story at this point, they feared harm and they feared that Jesus didn't care. When uh, my wife and I actually dated uh, through high school, 
into college. We got married uh, halfway through college as well. So we, we kind of grew up together. And uh, my wife, when she turned 17, uh, her mom and dad bought her a, a new car. It was new to her. It was, it was a couple years old, but it was a nicer, uh, newer car that uh, she got a little Nissan. And uh, incidentally, I actually drove that car before she did because it was a manual transmission car. It was a stick. And she didn't know how to drive a stick. And so the car sits there for about a week in the garage, and she's getting impatient. Her dad, I think, actually went away on a trip like a few days afterward, and so he couldn't go out with her and teach her. So I said, okay, I'm going to teach you to drive a stick. I grew up driving manual transmission vehicles and things. And so, so she lived right on kind of a busier county road, and uh, it was... Uh, it was probably a 45 mile an hour speed limit, but everybody went 55 or 60 through there. You know what I'm saying? And so she lived there, but behind her, her house was a housing development. And so, so she gets in there. I'm trying to guide her. And of course, she's stalling a few times, but we go back into that housing development and we're driving around. She's actually doing pretty good. And so we drove around for a little while. We come out to that main road where she lives, just right down the way. And as we're sitting at the stoplight, or I'm sorry, the stop sign, and she has an opening there, and she starts to go out into the road, and she stalls. And so she stalls. Okay, no problem. She stalled several times up to that point. And I'm looking, and coming off the curve, coming down at us is a car. That's still a little ways away. I'm like, okay, just push in the clutch. All right, start it again. Start, and stalls again. And that car, you know, it's getting bigger, getting bigger. And it doesn't look like they're even slowing down. And so as that car got closer and the car got bigger, my tone got louder <laughs> and more emphatic, pushing the clutch. Okay, hurry up. Now start, don't, give it gas, give it gas, give it gas. And she stalls again. And this is getting, and by now, it's, we're, we're at DEFCON 1, right? Critical point. And so I very lovingly yelled, Push in the clutch! And I opened the door and I stuck my foot out and pushed the car back out of the intersection. It wasn't a big car, you know. Pushed back out of the intersection and the car zips on by. And now I got my girlfriend who's a little upset, crying and saying, Don't yell at me! <laughs> And so I have to go into apology mode. Sorry, it did not handle that well. You see, in that moment, it was kind of similar. We had the fear of harm, but also the fear that I didn't care. And I, was, I wasn't acting very caring at that time. But that's similar to the disciples there. That was what was going on with them is we're going down and you're not doing anything about it. We see massive fear. So how about you? What are you afraid of? What storm are you going through maybe right now that you can see the fear welling up and you can feel the waves lapping in you get that, those twinges of panic when you start, that, that sinking feeling 
that we're going the wrong direction. What's your storm? What area of your life are you struggling to trust God in? Where is it that you're struggling to trust God? Where is it that maybe if you're honest between God and yourself, that you've been doing a little of accusations and accusing God? Why are you taking, why are you letting me go through this? Don't you care? Where are you in this? How can you let this happen? What is it for you? Point number two. Respect Jesus and expect great things as you worship him. Respect Jesus and expect great things as you worship him. So there they are in the boat. They turn in. They wake him up. Teacher, don't you care? We're dying here. We're perishing. Verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And so here Jesus is, he's sound asleep, he's perfectly Still, how could he sleep in, in what was going on? And all I can say is there's a, a, there was a person who was at peace. Wasn't worried, anxious about anything. All according to the plan. And he immediately, he wakes up. And what does it say? He... Um, he rebukes the wind and the sea and says, peace, be still. Literally, he says, peace, be calm. Be still. Actually, in the original language, it means to be muzzled. It's actually the same word that Jesus said to the demon when he cast him out. We went through a few weeks ago. And it's that same root word there of be muzzled. And it was completely still. Now, I don't know how, many, how much you've been out on the water and, or, and how much you know, but man, when there are waves and then things start to still, you'll still get those ripples that just slow down, slow down, slow down, and eventually die down. It wasn't like that. What happened here was something that was Completely incredible, that, that was an impossibility for what was normal in the laws and physics. But when he spoke, it was immediately calm. Completely dead sea. No wind, no waves. Went from this turmoil lapping in, everything going over, to nothing. Can you picture it? Can you imagine being in that boat and one minute scared to death, we are going to die. And then the next minute, complete calm and peace. 
And then he turns to them. What does he say? Why are you so afraid? Why? Why all this panic? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Catch that? He's not saying have you no faith. Have you still no faith? What's what's he saying? He's saying, look guys, come on, you've been with me. You've already seen and you've marveled and it's been the amazement and the crowds and the healings and the casting out demons and all that took place. And yet in the midst of the storm, you have forgotten all of that and still aren't trusting. Still no faith. They lacked faith. After everything that they had seen, everything that they had been through. It says, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Isn't it interesting? They went from being terrified that they were going to die, afraid that Jesus didn't care, to complete calm and safety to high fear again as they all of a sudden realized or, or were starting to realize and questioning to themselves, who is this person, Jesus, that even the wind and the sea obey him? That even the elements and all of nature is under his control, that he has authority over that. And, and understand, I, I was kind of reading through this and, and, and a number of times, and it just kind of struck me yesterday as I was kind of reviewing here. It, when they started off, and he said, let's go to the other side. It says, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat. And I started to think about this a little bit, and, and I can only imagine that, that they... They had put him in the boat as he was teaching, and, and now he says he wants to go to the other side. And so what, what happens? These fishermen, man, they go into, okay, all right, all right, I got this. We got this. This is our world now. All right, come on, Jesus. Let's go. And it says they put him into the boat. You catch it? There's a little bit of directiveness that's going on here. This is, and Jesus just got into the boat and says, come on, guys, let's go to the other side. He wasn't leading in here. He says, let's go over there. And they're like, okay, come on now. Come on, let, let me help you. Come on now. We just, we'll get you. You'll be, you'll be okay. We'll put you in the back, Jesus. You'll be fine. We got this. This, this is what we do. And they start off across. And then you get here after all of this and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Literally what I, what I am now reading and seeing is this, they thought it was their world and they found out it was his world. He has authority over that. He's in charge even of that. Even what they did to make their livelihood and all of that, he was in charge 
And all of a sudden, they're, they're coming to grips with this, and they're coming to grips with the unbelievable miracle that just took place and they're coming off of this massive fear where one minute we're going to die and the next minute we're shocked and it says a great fear literally that they were terrified this is the the knees are knocking and they're just in great awe and almost kind of cowering away who is this as they're saying to one another I mean, we, we thought, we saw a lot of it, but oh my goodness, we've now experienced it ourselves. Remember, before he was healing other people, and they saw. Before he was casting out demons from someone else, and they saw. But this time, they were the ones in trouble. And he was right there. They'd seen that he had authority to forgive sins, they had seen that he had authority to cast out demons, to heal disease, and now they see and experience themselves that he has authority over nature, the wind, the sea, the elements. It makes me wonder, what were they more terrified of? The storm or the presence of God in the boat with them? So, how about you? What storm are you going through? Understand, folks, without this storm, they would have continued to doubt. You realize that? Without this storm, without this almost or feeling like they were almost going to die, they were never, they were never in jeopardy. Jesus was right there. But, but this feeling like they were going to die, without that, they would have, have just continued doubting. They needed to see who Jesus was. They needed to experience that. As we're going through the storms of life, we need to understand sometimes we have to go through them to experience them, to truly see who Jesus is and to be able to see that he's got it. He has authority. I can trust him. And how much greater than our worship of him is. So how do we deal with the fear? How do we deal with, with fear? And um, we see fear in this passage here. And I, I just want to just kind of walk through. Here's five actions to address fear in the storm. It comes right from this passage. Five actions to address fear in the storm. Number one, trust that trust the difficulties are known to God. Trust that difficulties are known to God. He knows what we're going through. The sovereign God allows things to happen. He disallows things to happen. And sometimes he ordains things to happen. But everything that happens goes through the hand of a sovereign God. Trust that he knows the difficulties. Number two, look at a person, not the problems. Look at a person, Jesus, not the problems. That was the, the offertory song that we 
just, just heard. He was right there. As soon as they went to Jesus, he took care of the problem. As soon as they got their eyes off of the storm and what was going on and all of the problems around them and looked to the person. Sometimes it's immediate fix. Sometimes it's going to be a longer walking through process and he will take us through, but he's right there with us. So look at a person, not the problems. Number three, celebrate the hope in the storm. Celebrate the hope in the storm. There's purpose to what's going on. Don't panic. Go to Jesus, get his help. That, I mean, you just see the comparison. The disciples panicked and Jesus slept. Know that there are purpose in the storm. The fact that he was with them, the fact that he had a plan. There's hope in that. Anytime Jesus is with you, there's hope. Amen? And guess what? He's always with you. What might God be doing in your storm? That's the question to ask. Number four, know that difficulties... Struggle, storms, whatever you want. Know that difficulties cannot ruin God's plan. Know that difficulties, whatever the struggles you're going through, it cannot ruin God's plan. Look at verse 35. And on that day, when evening had come, he says, let's go over to the other side. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. The next verse. And they came to the other side of the sea. What happened? He said, let's go. And they did. He had a plan, and it came to fruition. Know that whatever difficulties, things, it, it, he knows what's going on. He's using it. He's growing us. He's all of those things, and it's not going to thwart his plan. We can trust that. Now, his plan may be different than your plan or my plan, and that's usually where the rub is, Right? Number five, glorify God in everything. Praise. When we see and experience the life-giving God and we see God at work in our lives, it should drive us to our knees. It should continue to reinforce this massive sense of awe and wonder and drive us to praising God and thankfulness and no matter what, I'm going to walk through what you've got for me, Lord. You're right here with me. There's hope. There's a plan. And I'm going to glorify you through the whole process. Amen? So what are you struggling with right now? So what's going on? In a group this size, we've walked in with all kinds of issues and problems. If you're not going through a tough time, hang on. One will probably be coming here sometime. I don't want to be fatalistic, but, but we live in a sin-cursed world. But don't lose sight of the fact there is hope. So what storm are you going through? Where, where do you need, what is it in your life that you need to take and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with this?
I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to celebrate your love. I know that you love me. You've said it. You've promised it. You've shown it over and over and over again. And I'm going to trust that that you love, that you care for me, that you want the very best for me. Even through this tough time. What is it that you can praise God for and you look back and say, look what God has done as we went through this storm, as I was so afraid during this time. And then I can celebrate and praise God for how he walked me through it and the salvation that he brought. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. 